Hey there, you're listening to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church, and I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to remind you to head to your favorite podcast directory like Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or CastBox or Podbean, any of those apps, and subscribe to our podcast, Unshaken. It's an image with some pretty little um, waves on it because we know we can, we can be unshaken in the middle of difficult waves because of Christ. Hey, also you can reach out to me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I'm always excited when someone emails me and I would love to respond to you. I'd love your ideas of what you want to hear about on our episodes each season. Now, today is our last episode of this season, which I'm really excited for. I hope you've listened to everyone, but don't forget they're always in our, our archives so you can head back anytime. This season, we've been discussing all the different seasons in a woman's life. And each of those seasons has some really unique situations. Um, We talked about what it's like to be a young woman coming out of college, um, trying to figure out what to do with their life, maybe even meeting somebody special, which is kind of a fun, new, exciting thing. Then we have the stage of parenting and mothering. Um, That's somebody whose life is pretty busy with their children and families and houses and dishes and laundry. I could go on and on and on. We've also discussed some specific seasons like what to do in the middle of caregiving for an elderly family member or what to do when you're just busy with stuff or how do you blend families we had last week if you listened if you didn't I want you to go back and listen we talked with Audrey Johnson about what to do when you blend families which I think was a really great episode that is very helpful so I hope you go back and listen so today we're actually going to jump into our last season our la- I'm sorry today we're going to jump into our last episode of the season and I'm going to call it the golden years and you can guess probably you can guess what I'm speaking of Uh, I'm not talking about a TV show either, so (laughs) I'm talking about a time period when perhaps a woman has retired. Um, If she had children, they're probably grown. Um, She might even have grandchildren. Usually this person doesn't actually have children living with them, but I suppose they could. There's times that happens. Um, It could be somebody who's faced widowhood, maybe somebody who has downsized and moved into a smaller home. Uh, There's really a lot of factors in this, and we're not going to get into all of those specifics, but we're going to talk about those principles that God gives us and wants us to live when we are in the golden years. Now, I have to tell you, I brought on one of my very favorite, favorite women. Um, I'm going to introduce you to her. Uh, This is Judy Cleveland, and I just have to tell you, Judy is so fun. Judy, you have been a great example to me personally as I have watched you through the years. I think I've known you probably about 18 years, which is really crazy. (laughs) I've done Bible study with you. I've done ministry events with you. And I've really noticed a few things about you. Do you want me to tell you what they are? Should I tell everybody what they are? Well, 18 years? I know. I know. It's true. (laughs) That's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I'm quite curious. (laughs) I knew you would be. Okay, so number one. I have noticed that you are almost always joyful. Are you always joyful? Uh, no, I can't say 100% of the time, but yes, okay. uh, the Lord has blessed me. Yes. I know that your life isn't super easy because none of ours are, but um, you, when you have had struggles that I've watched you go through, I have seen, seen you exemplify joy. I think every time that I'm with you, you make me laugh, which I love. <laughs> And I think that's just an important part of life because you got to laugh, right? 
Yeah. You just have to. Yes. Okay, number two, I also have seen you be diligent in your study of God's Word. And I love studying the book of Hebrews with you a few oh. years ago. Remember that? It was one of my favorite and still is my one yep. of my favorite studies. I learned so much that year. Yes. And I loved it because you were not just a Bible study teacher. I think you taught that year. I would think I was one of them, yes. But you were also a Bible study student. Like you studied so you could share the exciting things you were learning. And I thought that was a great part of being a Bible study leader. So I appreciate that. Number three, I have seen you serve in church wherever you are asked without complaint. And I've never seen you have a critical spirit. Now, I know because I'm a woman that sometimes we have a critical spirit, <laughs> but I have never seen it, Judy. Um, I remember one time you organized the, well, you've done this multiple years, haven't you? Organized the supplies for the crafts for six uh, backyard Bible clubs that yes. were in people's backyards. And that is a lot of craft supplies. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Do you have a craft supply that you just loathe, that you hate now after you've done that? Not really. In, in fact, I'm quite an expert on pony beads. So. <laughs> I bet so. you are. <laughs> I bet you have some at your house and you just make necklaces for fun now. Uh, well, I can't say that that happens, but, <laughs> but I do have some pony beads left over. Yes, so. that's hilarious. Well, I'm really thankful to have you on today because I actually think, in addition to these three things that I mentioned, you have a lot that you can share. And I've watched you, and I can follow you as you follow Christ. And so I think that's really important. Okay, so let's jump all the way back, taking you back a few years. Give me a little synopsis of your life, your testimony, where and, where, where and when you grew up. Um, you know, how you came to know Christ, your family, your job, how you ended up at Christ the Word Church, which is where we both go in Toledo, Ohio. This is not like an <laughs> amazing destination to stop in, but I will say you do better in Toledo. But um, Okay, so I will say this one thing before Judy starts talking. Um, just a little side note, I have already heard this story before today because one time we were in Bible study and I remember that for some reason we were all sharing our testimonies and I don't know why, but I remember being enthralled by your testimony and it, you tell it like a novel, okay? So I hope we have multiple chapters in this, okay? <laughs> and you're the main character, so, okay, so tell us all about it. Well, thank you, Julie. Those are very kind words. And I do have a story, but I, I'm, I'm not sure it's the stuff of a novel. <laughs> well, way back in time, I was born and raised in Chicago. My parents were good, dependable German-Irish folks, and they provided, you know, I'm so appreciative of this, they provided mm. a very solid foundation for me and my brother Rick. Mm. They exampled religious commitment, hard work, and service to others. We were a family very involved with the political and social issues of the day, and and I, I have this picture in my mind the, of the dinner table. It was a, it was a lively time when, when we all shared ideas and we debated and we discussed. Wow. 
And as I grew into my teen years and, and later, I, I didn't completely abandon their influence, but sad to say, as I got to that time, I thought that I was much, much smarter than mom and dad. Okay, that's something I can relate to. <laughs> I think I did that I, too. And I did my best to let mm. them know that how old-fashioned they were. Mm -hmm. And I did give the hippie thing my best shot, but I, I wasn't... Do you have pictures? <sighs> They're probably be... in the archives someplace. Okay. <laughs> but we were... But still, I was involved with my yeah. family, and we were still working in community affairs. And it was at a community meeting discussing low and moderate income housing that I met my future husband, John Cleveland. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a first date. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, yeah. it was kind of. Yeah. So to make a long story short, we married in 1972, moved to Kentucky, where he was from, and where he and I were freshman dorm parents. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 16-story dorm oh, packed man. with freshmen wow. at Eastern Kentucky University. Wow. Well, that summer, in fact, almost three months to the day after we married, my father passed away suddenly oh. that year. And as I look back, I see it was the catalyst for a search that would eventually lead me to the Lord. Okay, so you didn't necessarily grow up in a Christian home. A good home, a home that taught you good things. Yes, well, my religious heritage is, is, is the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. Um, and no, I, I did not understand yeah. salvation at the time. Wow. So we were in Kentucky living there. Uh, Sarah was born in 1976, and we moved to Toledo in 1978 when John got a job with the Toledo Lucas Public Library. Nice. Yeah. One of my favorite places. Isn't it I grand? Even, I even mentioned that on an episode a few weeks ago when I talked with Cheryl Bailey about menopause. And I brought up to her how much I love our libraries. And I love the downtown library because it has an amazing room all devoted to Nancy Drew. And I yes. grew up on, I lived on the same street. I didn't grow up. I lived on the same street that Nancy Drew's, well... Carolyn Keene, who really was Millie Benson, lived yes. on. That's all. So. Incredible. <laughs> so that's cool. So he came here to Toledo because of a job. Yes, that's how we ended up here. Nice. So when we lived in Lexington, I had trained as a labor coach and childbirth educator. And moving up here, I was interested in finding a group to, to work with. <laughs> Little did I know that the Lord was setting me up. <laughs> yes, I found a group and became fast friends with a woman who would become my spiritual mm. mother, Chris Cruz. She took Sarah and me under her wing, and it didn't take long for me to see that she and her husband, Roger, were different. Mm. Their family was good different. What was it? Christians? Oh, well, that's not for me, for sure. <laughs> People like that are weird. That's what I thought at the time. But I couldn't help liking to be with them. Hmm. Plus, the Holy Spirit has a way of keeping after yes. you. Yes, yes, he does. 
And fast forward a few years, and I accepted Chris's invitation to an evening service at her church. Afterwards, she and another friend, Sarah, uh, took me out for ice cream. And nice. The rest is history. Huh. We sat. We 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 sat and talked in the back seat of her Pinto station wagon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I came to faith on July eighth, nineteen eighty three. Mm. And I've always said it was the best thing that ever happened in the back seat of a Pinto. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> oh, so. My spiritual background is eclectic, to say the best. I was saved into a charismatic, non-denominational church up in Michigan, and I have journeyed through several denominations, but a pamphlet that I found at Sarah and Matt's home brought me to Christ the Word. I believe it was 2003, and it was the Northwest Ohio Bible Conference. You might remember I that. I do, I do. It was to be held in the fall, and I went because it just sounded so interesting. Yeah. Oh, my word, I had never heard such preaching. Wow. And it awakened a hunger for God's Word and God's truth. And I came to Christ the Word permanently in 2004, and it's been home ever since. Nice. Wow, you know what I love? The one thing I love, there's a lot about your story that I love. But one thing that I loved is how this friend of yours, Chris Cruz, right? Yes. And her friend Sarah took you for ice cream. They were not, it just is a great way. It's just a very simple way. Let's go talk. Yes. They had built a relationship with you, had a mm -hmm. conversation with you. And so you probably were able to be able to ask them questions because you felt safe. Yes, and an interesting thing is I had been out picking strawberries with Chris a few weeks before this, and and she said to me, oh, Judy, you're going to come to the Lord. And I remember saying, no way, that's just not for me, Chris. <laughs> Isn't the Lord funny? Yes, that is true. What a sense of humor. <laughs> okay, so... That is a great story. I love to hear. I think that's good to lay that foundation of where you came from, how God worked in your life, and how God is going to keep working in your life. Because that's kind of what we're talking about now, where we're going from here. Um, so um, I think one of the first things that I want to do, because I always start on every episode, let's say every single time, what does the Bible say about this topic? So what does the Bible say about seasons of life, particularly the golden years, and, and how to live them out for God's glory. Give me some good examples. Well, Julie, I don't mean to be nitpicky, uh -oh. but, <laughs> but the term golden years can be a bit misleading. Okay. I mean, you've seen the ads, happy couples in a golf cart or at the beach, radiating good health and happiness. That's right. It, it, it bothers me because it gives the impression that one has arrived at a time of life that is sweet and without a care in the world. Mm. Now, it's true that there's a lot of good stuff yeah. at this time in life, but the older women I know personally, and those I can recall from the Bible, still had mountains to climb and challenges to overcome. Yeah. As I thought mm. about this, two women, that came to mind were Elizabeth okay. and Naomi. Oh, those are both good choices. Yeah. 
when we meet them in the Bible, there's not much golden oh, no. in their <laughs> lives. Elizabeth and her husband, Zacharias, who's a high priest, were childless. Hmm. And That's... the stigma of barrenness was very real in a culture that prized children, particularly boys. Hmm. On the other hand, Naomi and her husband had two sons, but they fled from Judah to Moab. If you remember the yeah. story, they, they fled due to a famine. The husband and sons died, leaving Naomi poor and vulnerable in a foreign country. When she and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, returned to Bethlehem, she said, Don't, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Lord mm. has dealt very bitterly with me. Hmm. I, I believe Naomi and Elizabeth illustrate the two choices we have in dealing with the hard stuff in life at this age. While both women knew the God of Israel, how did that knowledge nourish their faith and trust in Him? Hmm. That's the question I asked him. And, and as I considered Naomi, she seemed to me an example of what can happen when faced with sorrows, insecurity, sure. and, and disappointment. Yeah. Her anchor in Yahweh was not very secure, and I, 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 and, and I believe this is crucial. She let her emotions get the best of her and even drive her to the point of bitterness. Hmm. Now, the end of her story is better than the beginning. Ruth, I believe, was, was used by God instrumentally in restoring Naomi's sense of security and trust in the Lord. Hmm. And Elizabeth. We don't have much, as much of a backstory right. about her. However, I, I think, if you look carefully, we can infer from the fact that God chose her to be the mother of John the Baptist, that her anchor in the Lord was solid. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I'm sure Elizabeth had to deal with her own disappointment, grief, and sorrow, as well as the social stigma of not having children. And, and what surprises me, and even when she did become pregnant, yeah. it, it was as, as an older woman. Right, right. <laughs> um, imagine the reaction of the locals in the village. Yeah, that, that led them some conversations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Bible says she hid herself for five mm. months. Mm. And another indication of her faith is that God entrusted the young Mary to her care. Hmm. Would, would the Lord have sent Mary to some sour, embittered old lady? Hmm. I, I, th I think not. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to be a fly on the wall and listen hmm. to Elizabeth encourage and counsel Mary to trust the Lord as she dealt with her own emotions and the whole situation surrounding her pregnancy? That's interesting because when you, I really hadn't thought about this before, but Mary and Elizabeth both had a lot of crazy emotions. They're in a different time period, like a different stage of life, so to speak. But really, they had the same things going on. Yes. I mean, okay, they were both pregnant, which also is true, but they also had a lot of strange emotions. Yes. And uh, that's interesting. I love that. That's a great point. Oh. Well, my takeaway from this 
is to examine where these women anchored their thoughts and emotions. Mm. What did they nourish? What mm. did they think about? What, what, what was going on? Psalm 92 talks of the righteous flourishing like, like a palm tree planted in the courts mm. of our God. And, and listen to this. They will still yield fruit in old age. They mm. shall be full of sap and very green. Why? To declare that the Lord is upright, that he is our rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Mm. Wow. I mean, that is a promise. Yes. But to receive, I must be diligent in feeding my heart the truth of the word and knowing that God is my rock. Wow. Okay, we could probably stop the podcast right here because that was a really great illustration. A really great illustration for women, really no matter what age you are. Because we do need to watch our emotions. We need to, do need to be thinking about what are we nourishing. That's a great question. Like we should ask ourselves that like today, like right now, <laughs> what are you nourishing? Yeah. That's an excellent, excellent thing. And, and I do like that verse. That's really great. I think it even uses the word old age. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's important to know that really it doesn't matter where we're at. We need to be seeking that and God will give us growth and fruit. Yes. Okay. Let's go a little more practical then. Although that was very practical. <laughs> But let's, let me think about some specific things. So how would someone in this stage of life live out their days to honor Christ? Like, I don't want super specific. I want more like the big, broad principles, things, you know, big, broad strokes for a woman listening who needs to be living like this. Well, as we age, there are some situations that disrupt the patterns of the past. I think sickness physical disabilities, mm. moving to new places, death of a spouse. It, it can be quite a list that, that require adjustments and establishing new patterns. I mean, these are difficult times for a woman. And to come up with a one-size-fits-all solution really isn't very helpful. Mm. When I think back in my own life, Two scriptures come to mind, and they have taken me through many, many situations, and I'm looking them to carry me through to the end. Mm. The first is Hebrews 6, 18 through 20. Oh, I love Hebrews. <laughs> well, and, and many who were in this study and have talked to me since, they probably will recognize this. <laughs> yes. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope yep. set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, hmm. a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. Great verse. Great encouragement. And the other is first. 1 Peter 1 5. And I often think of this verse when I when I pray for my grandchildren or I'm praying for other family members. We who are kept by the power of God. Hmm. It can be translated guarded, protected. Sure. But it's the power of God that that is that, that is keeping. keeping us. Yeah. And to to me, the only way to make it through a difficult time 
is just to grab on to Jesus, the anchor, mm. and hold on for dear life. Mm. I mean, we've all been in situations sure. like that, where, we, where we're trusting that he won't let go, and that in the midst of it all, we are kept, we are guarded, we are protected mm. by the power of God. Uh, he sees us through, through the storms. Mm. That's a great encouragement right there. Well, and as I pondered this question, it caused me to think about the role of the body, in Christ, body of Christ in helping older women through times of difficulty. It's, it's not unheard of that older women struggle alone. Mm. I mean, not on purpose, but sometimes older ladies just get get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are busy raising children. There's yeah. always something to, to do. And last week in Bible study, we discussed James chapter 1. And James says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans mm -hmm. and widows in their distress. Now, not all of us are widows, strictly speaking, but children and older women are in especially vulnerable times of life. That's really good advice because that's, that's advice for the woman who's in that spot, but it's also advice for anybody listening because that is a, a direction from God in, in the book yeah. of James. And we do need to care for women, orphans and widows. And I agree with you that it doesn't just mean a widow. It's any, I, I would think maybe it'd be people who live alone, might be mm -hmm. someone we could think of more in that regard. That's a really good thing to do. Yeah. Okay, so what are some good things that a woman in this stage of life can do? Just do it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you got to make it happen, literally. <laughs> One of the realities of being in the late 60s, 70s, and 80s and beyond is that you most likely n no longer have a determined schedule. I'll do that manana, <laughs> and manana becomes yeah. a pattern, Yes, particularly if you live alone. Exercise, good diet, manana. So I'm going to sound a bit like Richard Simmons, and I guarantee you the young won't know who he is. I, I do. I know who he is. I actually think I have some of his DVDs in oh, my that's... basement. We oh. can do one after we get done recording today, so... <laughs> Well, it's, it's real simple. If you want the promises mm -hmm. of Scripture to be a reality, your leaf to be green and your youth to be renewed like, like the eagle, Psalm 103, yes. you can't be a couch potato. You have to do what you can within your physical mm -hmm. abilities. That's good. And, and also another thing, and this complements the physical exercise or the physical movement is that purpose and discipline are also necessary in dealing with your thought life. Mm. More time and less to do is a fertile field for Satan. I think that should be something we put in our show notes. More time and less to do is, what did you say? A fertile field for Satan. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, think of it. He and his minions have, have been watching 
we older ladies for many years hmm. and he knows exactly how to give you he knows how to give me a serious case of the blues. Mm. And I mean, th this is a hard area, but how you have dealt with negative thoughts and emotions in the past, how, how have you dealt with them? One thing I have found helpful are scripture cards. In fact, Julie, I believe I received <laughs> my first stack of, of scripture cards from you many, many years ago. Huh. Cool. And so... I have, and they're all in my drawer. Nice. You know, <laughs> and I have put together scriptures that deal with just a host of issues. The purpose being guarding my heart and mind mm. and nourishing my spirit in the Lord. And, and one thing I've learned to do is I declare these out loud. Mm. I say it. I hear it. I think it goes deeper into your spirit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's really interesting. I am a huge proponent of like having a nugget of truth that you memorize or you put on a sticky note or you put it anywhere you want to in your house when you're going through something difficult because I have a few of those nuggets that have stuck in my brain and thankfully when I go through those trials I can pull them out again. Yeah. I mean I've mentioned thousands, I feel like thousands of times on the episodes on the podcast how much I love Philippians chapter 4. And how good it is to remember that I need to be rejoicing. And it's got a lot of things in there because it talks about anxiety. Um, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, give thanks you know, to God and present your prayer requests to God in all things. And so those are such a really good thing to do. Yeah. And I, I also think, um, I, I, if I could add one thing to your list, which I know that it's not the interview for me, but I'm going to add this anyway. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really important to be involved in your local church yeah. and do things. Uh, there's just so much that you, you know, you, Judy, or anyone who's in your spot in life can really give to the body of Christ. How important it is to be in a small group of Bible study that is multi-generational. Those were my favorite Bible studies. I remember doing one with you. The Hebrews one was one of those. It was you, and I can think of five or six other women, and none of us were all the same age. It was really very different. And I remember showing up the first time thinking, I don't know about this. But you know what? I learned so much. And the younger women in that study brought a ton of energy and excitement. Mm -hmm. And the older women, they brought some great wisdom. And I just sat in the middle bringing, you know, my baked goods. That was my job, you know? So. <laughs> Oh, I remember more than that, Julie. But it was, it's so good to do yeah. that, to be in the church together. You know, I think it's um, kind of a, a weird little thing. Like when you're in high school, you're only allowed to be friends with the people that are the same grade as you. Mm -hmm. But when you cross out of, you know, like out of high school and you're into your college years or maybe a little bit beyond, all of a sudden you can be friends with somebody who's 10 years older than you or 20 years older or five years younger. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's such a great thing. It's interesting that you bring this up because one of my best buddies in my 20s was Mrs. Brownlee, a friend of my mother's who oh. lived across the street from us in Chicago. Huh. We, we would sit in her kitchen and eat pizza and have a big old gab fest. The difference in, in ages wasn't a factor. Mm -hmm. We always had things to talk about, and I can remember the benefits were mutual. Her wisdom and experience and my fresh perspective. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I think sometimes, 
I, I know this for sure because I've been a younger woman before, which you have too. When somebody older started to talk to me and invest in me, I loved it. I ate mm -hmm. it up. But for some reason, sometimes when we're on the other end, we may not think that we should be going and talking to a younger woman. They don't really want to talk to me. But actually, they do. So go do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've also enjoyed getting to know younger women in, in Bible studies and small groups. Women at different ages uh, and engage with God's world differently. And it's, it's true what you say. The, the young bring a fresh perspective, mm -hmm. older women a wisdom and knowledge gained over time. And let's not forget the ladies in the middle. You know, Who are bringing they, their baked goods. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, but they also bring an energy and a perspective as they deal with the busyness mm -hmm. of home, family, where some it's work outside the, the, the home. It's, it's um, the mix mm -hmm. is just so good. Yeah, it is. It is. It's really good to do that. Yeah, I think that's, those are, that's really good pieces of advice. I mean, it's, it's good to think through these things. Really, any woman who's listening, this podcast episode isn't just for women who are in the, and I put air quotes around it, gold years, <laughs> golden years, but it's good for all of us to be thinking about it because you're my sister in Christ. You might be a few years older than me, right? And I can, I can see how God has, you know, has worked through lots of ages, mm -hmm. and that's good. Yes. Okay, so Judy, let's go a little different direction. Um, what about some common sins that a woman who's in her golden years might struggle with? I know you didn't like that term, but I'm going to stick with it. And, and how can you fight those sins? Well, the not-so-golden truth <laughs> is that sin is still with us. And I think the common sins you deal with as an older person it usually are the ones you have dealt with before. Mm, Only at this time of life, they can be presented in disguise. Mm. Take pride. That's an ongoing challenge, and perhaps by God's grace, a woman has come a distance in dealing with it. And now she experiences a physical impairment. Hmm. It can be a chronic illness, a significant heart problem, even something temporary like, like a broken leg. Okay. I mean, I can speak from personal experience, hearing loss. Hmm. These situations can change how you present yourself to others and how you interact or don't. The point is, you are not the person you used to be. Hmm. Yes, pride is involved, but it's not a quick fix as you adjust to the change. Hmm. There's a lot of emotional junk that, that you have to wade through to come to a point of peace. It's just a, a new type of challenge. And it's not a tidy thing. Oh, I like tidy things. I like to have everything folded up perfect, but it doesn't work like that. Well, sorry to say, Julie, <laughs> it's not a tidy thing as, as the Holy Spirit mm. works a deeper level of humility mm -hmm. in us. And some of the closest times I've had with the Lord is when I've just gone before Him and, and, and I've just hashed it all out. Mm. I've told him how upset I was, how I didn't like where I was. Well, right. You know, and 
he's such a big God and his grace is, is sufficient. And, and I would say, don't hurry the process mm. and think you have to be all fixed right. in a, a, a short time. The Lord is doing a work. That's good. That's good advice because, I mean, that's good advice for anyone because we all struggle with sin and we're always having those, I don't know, I don't know what you would call them, but sins that hit us harder. Sins, you know, your sin that you struggle with is going to look different than mine, but yeah. it's still sin. And so I love what you said because what you, what I heard through what you said is work through it, keep working on it, keep fighting, keep trying to get work on getting rid of the sin with the Holy Spirit's help but not giving up. No, no, don't, don't give up. Well, and I also thought about a study that we did years ago. Do you recall R Respectable Sins? Oh, yes. Oh, what a book. <laughs> yeah, Confronting the Sins We Tolerate. Was that the subtitle? <laughs> That's the subtitle. Okay. And it's authored by, by Jerry Bridges. He's a very well, familiar name. And, and we'll put that in our show notes so you can find that title. So you, if you're driving, okay. you don't have to write it down yeah. right now. <laughs> well, his list includes anger, anxiety, mm -hmm. unforgiveness, disappointment. And we deal with these sins, as you know, at every yep. stage of our lives. But as... But as I said before, Satan can and does dress them up differently when we are older. Mm -hmm. Financial worries, health problems, problems with extended family relationships, problems with your daughter-in-law. Mm. Pro uh, how about not getting the attention you, used, you are used to from your children mm. or your grandchildren? All these and more can raise their ugly heads and, and, and blindside us. And the temptation is, is to feed the sin because we feel justified. Yeah. yeah. Look at what's happening. Yeah. Danger, danger, mm. beware of bitterness. And Bridges suggests a plan, and I believe it is similar to, to what many all, already do. Number one is, what does the word say? Hmm. Number two, learn to rely on the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. First Timothy 1, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hmm. Number three, we must diligently pursue steps for dealing with our sin. You talked about mm -hmm. this just, just a moment ago. Yep. And what I personally find helpful is I look for what triggers the temptation to get into unforgiveness, what triggers mm -hmm. the temptation for, for, for anger. And once I can detect that and determine what it is, I can recognize it and go, oh, yeah. And then I have my scripture cards. Yes, on your <laughs> ring. And n n number five re really relates to four scriptures that deal particularly with that sin. Hmm. More focused, specific yes. ones. Okay. And pray, just like I said before when I hashed out things before the Lord, go tell him hmm. your struggles, your feelings, your desire to have victory. And he wants to help. Hmm. And another number seven is 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 if the Lord leads, in, involve 
a friend with the struggle mm. that that can can help you pray this through and that you're personally accounted accountable to sure I think that those are really good practical things to do I mean that is really helpful that book is very I remember thinking when we got that book I thought oh this is gonna be easy I know what these all are <laughs> until you start reading it and you go okay wow I think I found myself in every chapter Yes. of the book, yes. and which was also a little sad and depressing. But praise God for his forgiveness, and praise God yes. that he gives us the strength to overcome sins, whether we're 25 or 45 or 65. Yes. And it doesn't matter, we're all struggling. And, and so that brings me to think how valuable it is, your last point that you mentioned in your list that you just told us was about getting a trusted friend to come alongside of you. I actually think that's really helpful because um, not only will they help you hold you accountable, I think that was the word you used, hold you accountable to keep fighting your sin, but it's also helpful to know that other people struggle with things too. Yes. Sometimes if we don't talk about it, we think we're the only one. Yes. And I'm, I know I cannot possibly be the only one who struggles with you know, unforgiveness or pride. We probably all struggle with it to some degree. So I think that's a really, really good point. Yeah. Okay, so I want to go a different direction. Sometimes um, I know that it is easy to feel forgotten or left behind. I know that um, I've already had to do this, where I had to step away from a ministry at church or being in charge of something because, you know, it just, it just worked. And, and someone else, it was their turn to lead. Um, maybe, um, maybe somebody listening isn't asked to lead Bible study anymore. Or maybe they, um, there's some ministry that they always were in charge of the nursery and now they're not. And like, how do you deal with this? Have you ever felt like this, Judy? And then how do you deal with those emotional feelings? Have I ever felt like this? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and I think this is a common situation. Whenever the baton is passed, well, the reality is that part of you is, in a sense, left behind. Mm -hmm. I mean, you no longer have the involvement of time and effort that you did before. So whether you were involved as a full-time mom, a regular ministry at church, a job outside the home, we all retire yeah. from something as we grow older. And just as there are transitions earlier in life, college to work, marriage, children, at this time of life, it's, it's another transition yeah. period. And we all have a, a level of identity. Let, let's just face it, we all have a level of identity in what we do. Yeah, we do. Leaving that behind is not easy. And, and the time of transition is to be expected. Perhaps the change will be seamless, but for many, they are not times of smooth sailing. When reality hits, I mean, you can question, who am I now? Mm. It might take a while to answer that question. I mean, we as Christian women eventually get to the spot where we remind ourselves that our identity is, is, is truly in, in Jesus. But, mm. but getting from point A to point B can be stormy. Yes. I mean, I, I, I recall dealing with a host of emotions when I retired after teaching for 26 years at Toledo Christian. I mean, I was glad to retire. I really was. It was time. The Lord yeah. had made it clear. But 
I, I was just a bit surprised by the level of anger, resentment, and feeling like a nobody. Hmm. <laughs> and it was brought home when I went back to pick up a grandchild the September after I retired, and I had to show identification. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, what a blow. Oh, my. <laughs> so easily forgotten. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so quick. So the question is, how did I deal with this mess? Well, my thought process wasn't, my identity is in Jesus and everything is okay. Oh, absolutely no. I, I had to start with the negative emotions hmm. and once again bring them to the Lord. And it was a help to talk with my daughter, Sarah, to let her know what was going on. Hmm. And, and, and you're right. Speaking about yeah. a problem to another person, it brings it out of the dark corner yes. of, of it brought it out of the dark corner of my mind and into the light, and that was good. Hmm. And one of my life scriptures that was such a help at the time was Philippians 3, 13 and 14. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Mm. I just love the whole book of Philippians, but... <laughs> yes. Well, and once out of the emotional weeds, the opportunities, the possibilities were exciting. You know, what does God have in store for Act 3 of my life? <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I mean, he's not done with yeah. me. And at times, opportunity does knock. Other times, and this is most often, we have to seek them out. Press on toward the goal, the upward call of Christ Jesus. Hmm. That's really interesting because, you know, I mean, I've shared this before. I'm 47. And I've actually already had to learn some of those things. It's interesting. It, it it, you kind of have to, I've not really retired from anything. I still have, my house is full of kids, but I've already had to kind of, you know, retire from different spots in life and mm -hmm. uh, maybe give over some of my, my, uh, the point of what I'm doing for someone else to do. Um, I remember women around me saying things, and I think this is really helpful, um, who'd gone before me in this topic. And they said things like, okay, uh, we're going to be at a stage and this is okay that we hand things off to women younger than us, right? So they can learn how to do it. Maybe it's in a job, maybe it's a ministry, maybe it's in a Bible study, but this is what happens, you know? There'll be a day, not to be too morbid, that you and I won't be here. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll be celebrating in heaven, but so that's not morbid at all, but it will be gone. And who's going to take the jobs after us? And if we haven't trained them, What's going to happen? Yeah. So I think it's important, you know, like I want, I want women who are my daughter's ages and I have teenage girls and, um, to be ready to lead those studies. I mean, mm -hmm. I want my daughters to know how to do that, but I want other women to do that. And I think if we put the perspective like that on it, it helps us to see things differently. Mm -hmm. Perspective is really good. Actually, Judy, I think what you just talked about is all the way back, we had your recorded talk from one of our women's conferences, and you talked about putting on your Jesus glasses. Okay. 
You remember <laughs> yes. that? And I, yes. I put that one on in season four, that particular talk. It was like the first or second episode, um, Inheritance, maybe? I can't remember the yes. title. Yes. And I remember that stuck with me. And I have often thought that, Julie, put on your Jesus glasses because you're looking at this with the wrong perspective. So mm-hmm. that's a really, really good thing that you talked about a long time ago. Okay, let's go a little different direction. Let's do a little more, let's get even a little more practical. Many women in this stage of life have sons, in-laws, or daughter-in-laws. And I know you and your husband have a daughter, and she's married with a bunch of kids, very cute kids, I know. And I think it's really good to stop and talk a little bit about the mother-in-law thing because Mm -hmm. I'm actually a new mother-in-law, so my son got married a little over a year ago, and I am ready right now to glean all your wisdom, okay? So, you know, since most women listening either are a mother-in-law or are going to be a mother-in-law somewhere along the line, how can we prepare for this? I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record, but preparation really begins before your son or daughter plans to marry. There, there are ways to pre- prepare, but, but it's, it's, it's not like getting ready for a geometry test. Oh, good, because I'm not good at math. <laughs> me, me neither, particularly geometry. And most often in math, there's only one right answer. Yep. You know? With relationships, there are some common traps. Remember the respectable sins I I spoke about? Anger, unforgiveness, disappointment, and I would add unrealistic expectations. Hmm. There's there's others, of course, and we have no end of opportunities in in life to root out these relationship-destroying behaviors. Hmm. But what I have personally found it helpful to do is look at family patterns, family patterns established by a mom and dad. Okay. And I looked at patterns that my mom and dad established. They're important and should be examined because they are usually replicated in our lives, particularly those patterns from our mother. Now, my mom was a good example in in many ways, just a good woman, but she did not have a healthy way to deal with anger. Mm. And it was no surprise that I had a problem. And God bless my daughter, Sarah, working through our relationship as Sarah got older, I learned how to express anger constructively and not stuff and explode. Mm. And I'd like to recommend a book. Oh, good. (laughs) I love resources. That's great. For more on positively navigating being a mother-in-law and grandmother, I highly recommend Nancy Wilson's book, Silver Lining. Oh, Nancy deals with the nuts and bolts, explains situations, gives strategies, give what you're supposed to do if in such and such a, 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 a case uh, on an array of topics from hmm. being a mother-in-law to a grandmother. Okay, hold on. I'm putting that in my Amazon cart right now <laughs> so I can buy it. Well... And, and I'd rename the book, How Not to Be a Dragon Mother-in-Law. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what happens when your son or daughter gets married. I mean, how does your relationship change with your 
actual son or daughter-in-law. And what are some principles we could follow? Well, well, it's another transition. One of many in my life with Sarah. But many years ago, my, my good friend Linda had wise advice as I anticipated Sarah going off to college. Judy, she said, you give them roots and then you give them wings. The Holy Spirit is as close to Sarah at college as he would be in her bedroom upstairs. Mm. And that has carried me through many times of transition, mm. from high school to college, then marriage to Matthew, then grandchildren. Roots mean you have done your level best to provide mm. a solid foundation in the Lord, Wings means that they'll have a different flight pattern than you. Hmm. You give encouragement, a helping hand when asked. If you disagree, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit how to pray. Hmm. Boy, those last five or six sentences you just said are super practical and really good. Because I think if you disagree, keep your mouth shut is probably... <laughs> The best one in all, okay? Because how often we as moms feel like we could just keep telling and directing? Because we've done it all our lives. So. Well, yes. I, I remember when Sarah was in her early years of college, she would call and she would have this problem that she was telling mm. me. And it was like, da-da-da, mother to the rescue. <laughs> Did and you there, have a cape? I, I yeah. had a cape. <laughs> and there'd be this frosty silence at the uh -huh. other end of the phone and it finally occurred to me that she didn't want my opinion she just wanted my ear yeah she needed to talk through it yeah and that's actually healthy yeah yeah okay does the bible tell us anything about mother-in-laws i'm trying to remember if it says anything well i can't think of any any specific thou shalt when it comes to being a mother-in-law uh, however being a mother-in-law, it, it, it's just a great opportunity to love their kids, their grandchildren, the in-laws, the outlaws, <laughs> you know, um, the, 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 you know, the entire family mm. in sunny and more importantly, in difficult times. Mm. Um, I've been pondering 1 Corinthians it, it tells us what love isn't, yeah. but I like to look at things positively. Okay. What is love? And it can, food for thought. Love bears all things, believes all mm. things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And this is the best way to dress for whatever the occasion requires as mm. you are a mother-in-law. Hmm. That is really good. That 1 Corinthians 13 has come up multiple times on the podcast because it's, it's actually a very practical thing. Mm -hmm. And I've encouraged women as we've talked throughout the past few seasons that if you're going to memorize something, memorize that. Yeah. We talked about it every season. I think it's been on every episode this season in some way. I remember talking with Elizabeth Rethorn and she talked about how that helped her in raising her kids to go through love that love chapter and here we are again in a in a different spot of life and we're saying we just need to love others we need to love our family members and when we talked with audrey johnson about blended families she brought it up because oh. you got blending these two families and you've got 
you know, step kids and step parents and love is a big one yeah. and not taking offense. We talked about that. Yeah. So that's another one that fits in keeping short accounts. Yes, very I'm not, definitely. I'm not saying it's easy, Judy, but I'm saying this is our call. <laughs> well, that's true. And it's, but it's what an opportunity we have. Yeah, it is important. And, okay. So, you know, what if you don't agree with something your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law, a decision they've made? Like I can think, um, you know, I've only been a mother-in-law for about a year. Okay. But I can think of times that I made decisions and I wondered what was my mother-in-law thinking? You know, like, what did she think? And I remember when I made a decision to homeschool my children, my dad, who was a public school teacher, I don't think he agreed with that decision right away. Now he started to like it. He did. He's a science teacher. So he, he said, well, how are you going to, how are they going to do science, high school science labs? Like that's all he cared about. But you know, how are they going to find out, you know, in biology and look through the telescope or the, that's not the right word. What is it called? Uh, microscope. How are they going to look through the microscope, you know? So anyway, how do you do that? Well, it's not if you will disagree with your son or daughter-in-law, but when. Okay. Should we just stop there? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, particularly a son-in-law is practicing leading his family, yeah. and it's a type of learning. Your daughter is establishing, your, your daughter-in-law is, is, is establishing a home. Yep. She's, she's learning also. And help is always available with the older men and, and, and women at Christ the Word. But we must not get an attitude when mistakes, in our opinion, are made. Mm. And for heaven's sake, don't shop around your opinion with your lady friends and never, ever criticize your son-in-law in front of your daughter mm. and don't criticize your daughter-in-law in front of your son. Mm. However, if either of them bring, does bring up a situation, you just can't pass it off as not important. Mm. You, you recognize that there is a, difficult, a difficulty, but I've always seen my job, particularly with my daughter, to, to point her to the Lord. Yeah. And you don't give your opinion hmm. unless you are asked. You pray. But you don't pray your solution. <laughs> we always have, well, they're just not doing it right. I know how to do yeah. it, Lord. You yeah. do. And, uh, I've, I've had to learn. You ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. And another thing is helpful to seek out promises in the Bible that can lead your prayers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, one of the things that um, I think is helpful also just from my perspective as being a daughter-in-law and also now having a daughter-in-law, how important it is to have encouraged them to have other women in their life mm -hmm. around them who can speak truth and encourage. I think of many women in my life, not my mother, not my mother-in-law, who, I mean, they were fabulous. My mother-in-law was great. My mom is wonderful. And they were wonderful. All of my marriage, I loved it. And, but I had lots of women around me speaking things like mm -hmm. honor your mother, you know, and yes. that includes your mother-in-law as a daughter-in-law, treat them kindly, 
maybe they, you know, I remember certain ways that I had to cook things because it was a better choice for my mother-in-law or my mom, you know, (laughs) and, um, and my mom is probably listening. So, um, but you know, the point is like, there's a way honor outdo one another with honor. That's another Hebrews, I believe. So, yeah. So that's good. Okay. Now, um, you know, sometimes you're blending families and I know that this is a question that I personally have. And I think a lot of women who have daughter-in-laws or son-in-laws and grandkids in this stage of life, I know you have wisdom on this, but it's, it's something you got to work through. How do you deal with like holidays or big events? You know, how do you spend time with your grandkids? Because these are all things that just kind of come and they come kind of fast and furious. True. Well, there, uh, this is one way to prepare for being a mother-in-law is to realize that families have their own traditions and ways of doing things. Mm. It, it usually is never a case of right and wrong, but different. Mm. And depending on families, it, it can be a real cultural clash. Mm-hmm. Now, John is a Kentucky boy, and I'm a big city girl from, from Chicago. I mean, it wasn't exactly cultural clash, but there were real differences in, in mm. how my family did things and how John's mm-hmm. family. And my mom and my mother-in-law did a fantastic job. They respected, they, they were flexible, they gave grace, and, and they, they let us establish our own ways of doing things as a family. Hmm. You know, but there were different foods, there were different traditions, and, uh, you, you know, nobody... We did not need their opinion, and none was given. Thank the Lord. And John and I always had their encouragement and their support. And as a a mother-in-law, I know that they both wished that they could they could have yeah. the primary position for for Christmas or Thanksgiving yep. or birthdays. But because we all lived in different places, you know, it, it, it just wasn't possible. But they were gracious about holidays. Both families made an effort to visit after we moved into to Toledo. Mm-hmm. But I I have to mention that we, we must recognize that there are times when the blending does not go yeah. well and our positive efforts are rebuffed. The sorrow of heart is deep and I, I, I believe it is, it is one of the most difficult situations a mother encounters. Again, the word tidy. I like there's, that there's no tidy answers. Right. Right. It, as I've observed women go through this, it is a day-by-day relying on God's supply of grace and strength to maintain a godly attitude and a loving heart. Yeah, kind of a constant work that you're doing in your heart to keep it soft Yes. so that you are not becoming bitter, as we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. It's a big job. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about grandkids. Yes, let's do. <laughs> what are some specific ways that somebody could impact their grandkids? Like 
some real examples. I know you love your grandkids and they definitely love you. So how can you, how can you point them to Christ? Well, one of the benefits of the golden years is uh, Thank time. you. Thank you for using that term. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's time mm. that you have at your disposal. And the best way to impact grandkids is to invest your time in their lives. And it's not big presents or lavish vacations. It's the small stuff. Hmm. And don't be stingy. You are available. Bake banana bread. Yum. My kids love it. <laughs> Read to them. Help them with homework. Go to yet another sports event. <laughs> Bring dinner. Overnights are a hoot. And the thing is, they observe you from little on and watch what you say and how you respond to them and events. And kids have a special radar, and they know when you're the real deal. Hmm. It's an opportunity to be a living epistle of Jesus Christ. And I know that sounds pretty stupendous, but I learned when I taught school that the young ones, they just watch you all the time yeah. and they learn from you. And yes, read the Bible, sing songs, and talk about the Lord, but it won't mean a hill of beans if you don't walk how you talk. Yeah, yeah that's really powerful stuff. That's true for mothers Yes. and grandmothers. Yes. Basically the same thing is true <laughs> yes. across the board there. You know, and uh, don't underestimate your your influence. I am, I am continually blessed and surprised at how my grandkids want to be around me and how they want to share with me. Mm. And and Kim Lechman said this at the Regarding Him conference last year. Children and especially grandchildren are our legacy and our opportunity to influence future mm. generations for the Lord. Praise God. This is a great calling to be a grandmother then. It is. I, I remember when Sarah told us that she, was, that she and Matt were expecting um, Claire. I almost said Sarah. <laughs> okay. That's another thing that happens with grandmothers, right? Yes. The wrong we get them all confused. <laughs> I can, everybody was kind of giddy telling me, oh, being a grandmother is great. I, which it was, I was excited, but I had this sense of, of awesomeness, responsibility mm. that, wow, I was given another opportunity. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. And now you have how many opportunities? Six. Yes. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so praise God. Okay, now somebody might be listening right now who, you know, maybe doesn't have grandkids. Lots of reasons why that doesn't happen. Maybe also their grandkids live far away. So what would you tell them? Like maybe adopt some grandkids? I mean, is that even allowed? <laughs> <laughs> well, what a great idea. Adopt some grandkids. In order to do that, I think what you would need to do was establish friendships with families that have children. Yeah. And don't we have that opportunity across the world? Yes, we do. And most churches do. Yes. They should. You know, and as as older folks, it can be awkward 
you know, we've been there, we've done that, you know, what can I say, how, what questions, how can I establish a relationship? You know, some things happen organically, and I think of Jay and Carol Heights as grandparents to Ryan and Grace Brown's children. Hmm. And if, if it doesn't happen naturally, the most obvious seedbed would be small groups, wouldn't yeah. it? Yep, or life groups. Some church might call them that. Yep. Sure. I mean, it's a chance to get to know families in yep. a no-pressure situation. Yet I, I emphasize relationships just don't happen. It's another time to be purposeful. Yeah. And what a great reward. Hmm. I mean, it's exhilarating and, and, and just wonderful to know that you have been used of the Lord in the lives of His little ones. And I love, you know, bringing back, going back to, um, you talked about your grandkids and the legacy of being able to share the gospel of Jesus with them, and it would influence future generations. And this is true if you are sort of adopting grandkids. I mean, as a, I love teaching kids and working with kids, and so I've had backyard Bible clubs at my house, I've done other things, kids clubs, and I feel that same way. I think I'm impacting the future generations for Christ. No. So it's the same exact thing. It's just a perspective. And I have had multiple women pour into my kids. Mm-hmm. And I have loved every minute of it. And when an older person wants to take my kids and go get ice cream, or they, you know, just, just invest in them at church and ask them questions, they are just like, wow, this woman's interested in me. And it is such a great thing. And I remember myself having women who were older, a one particular woman, her name was Eunice. I loved her. She didn't have any children, but she and her husband were not able to have children. And she poured in to teaching Sunday school to the junior high girls at my church when I was growing up. And she impacted me immensely. I read, studied the entire Bible in my junior high and high school years because every book we went through Okay, at a junior high, high school level. But we did, and she impacted me. And Mm -hmm. she gave me a encouragement of a love for God's Word. Now, my mom was fabulous at reading God's Word. (laughs) But the same thing, both of them did. Yeah. And, you know, it's just important. Okay, Judy, I wanted to end with something a little different. Okay? Okay. You know me, I always throw extra things in. So (laughs) I asked some other women who were all around 60 years and older, I won't give their ages, to share some of their best advice. So they wrote in and um, they talked about how important it is um, to keep up with godly things. So we're actually going to end today um, by going through their words and what they shared. So Judy, are you willing to help me with this? Sure. Okay, so I think I'll read one and then you read one and we'll just keep continue going that way. All right? Okay, so Doris writes, God has shown me many things about being an older woman, not having children, and still influencing the next generation. This has been a challenge and taking me to the Lord and how I can best encourage and build up the next generation. Over the last two years, God has shown me ways to sow the Word of God into children's lives by sending them coloring cards, scripture cards, scripture words of encouragement, and praying for them. I now have 13 children, some of whom are not even members of my church. Just recently, the Lord started showing me how to help the mothers of these children to encourage their children since they know them better than I do by giving them little lunchbox notes and what I call grandparents' notes. I love encouraging older children with phone calls by texting them scripture and scripture-based inspirational thoughts on a weekly basis. And of course, 
All of this is bathed in prayer, praying for the kingdom of God to come and the will of God to be done in their lives. Also, I was given an opportunity to share in a Bible study with four recently graduated college students and share with them what God has taught me about his ways and about the word of God practically applied to their life. By their comments, I see it as truth that draws them closer in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I praise God that he has shown me practical ways to edify the next generation in the word of God. And I am thankful for the joy that it brings to my life and the unexpected purpose in my retirement years. I love my new boss and his ever-growing and changing job description, having a new understanding of what it means to lay up your treasures in heaven. I love how she added about her boss in heaven and that she now has a new and changing job description, because I think that's what happens. Okay, how about you, Judy? Okay, this lady is organized. She's an English teacher, and she gave an actual list. I love that. <laughs> Number one, get to know your neighbors and serve them. Love their kids, help them out when they need it, pray for them, and let them know you're praying for them. Number two, spend time with your girls at church. Be a sounding board and also a great encouragement to them. Number three, take up a hobby. I learned to knit at age 57, and now I enjoy fellowship with other knitters. Awesome. I love that one. <laughs> Number four, read. Theology, good contemporary fiction, classics, cookbooks, and, of course, make reading the Bible still important and a top priority. Number five, work on getting rid of stuff. Unclutter the closets and cupboards. Just keep what you need. You'll actually find it very refreshing. Number six, plant a garden. It gives you a sense of accomplishment and provides a place to love people by inviting them over. Number seven, practice hospitality, whether it's in your garden or not. Invite people over, even if it's just for a cup of coffee. Hmm. Those are good. I love lists, so I'm always happy to hear a list. <laughs> okay, so um, another friend of ours of the podcast, her name is Sue, and Sue wrote, actually started by telling me three of her favorite resources. So one of them is called Living Life Backwards, How Ecclesiastes Teaches Us to Live in the Light of the End by David Gibson. Uh, we'll put these in our show notes too. Uh, Learning Contentment, A Study for Ladies of Every Age by Nancy Wilson. And I'll give you a hint, that one might show up on the podcast because we might be doing that one next summer. She also said Aging with Grace, Flourishing in an Anti-Aging Culture by Sharon W. Betters and Susan Hunt. Um, she listed those as important to read, and she read them with two or three other women um, and got together for a discussion. I love that idea, like reading yeah. something and talking. Okay, she has a couple more things. She said, pray for direction from God. He will direct your path. Surround yourself with people who want to flourish and bear fruit until the end. They will disciple you. Spend time in the Word every day, also in prayer. Be specific with your requests with boldness. I find I have more extended time to spend with God speaking to me in His Word. So use your time. And that's interesting because you talked about that too. Uh, she also continues, Do not neglect learning who God is. There is no other way to keep your eyes on Christ. Growing does not have an age limit. Aging does not mean you can't change. God can do anything. Those are such good words. Yes. A couple more. She said, read and meditate on the Psalms because it gives you a glad heart to see who God is. 
uh, do Bible searches. Look, look up words that you don't know or you want to know more about. Sure. Don't isolate yourself. Reach out to others. Invest in them. I began to gather women who had similar interests with me and uh, keep the circle open. We begin to meet occasionally to share joys, and that's a good way to witness to others. Oh, this one's really cool, she put. I also began to write my life story to current day for my grandchildren, sharing about my witness and how God has brought me through things. Practice gratitude and encouragement every day and invest in the discipleship of your children and grandchildren. Good stuff. Good words. Okay. Well, Diane shares that she loves to spend time with grandkids and great-grandkids. She teaches her daughter, granddaughters how to knit. She attends a Bible study faithfully, or she leads one. She serves in a kitchen at a Christian camp. She gets together with other gals and sew and knit for a local pregnancy center. She suggests cooking and serving dinner with others at a local homeless shelter, pack lunches to be distributed to the homeless, be a help at an afternoon Bible club mm. in a public school. What Diane shares is that outreach aspect. Yeah, she really focuses on that. To, to be purposeful about it. Okay, yeah, that's, a, that's good. I, I think that's interesting what we're hearing from people. Mm -hmm. is kind of how they live, and that's okay, too. Okay, I got a couple more. Miriam says, my number one activity is to spend time in prayer in the families for my, in my life, church, and our nation. I feel like I should be spending more time in deep prayer. I also help with a co-op, a homeschool co-op group by caring for their children and helping them with schoolwork. I visit regularly three different care centers for the elderly, sharing Christian music and scripture and praying with them. During COVID, when we were all in the lockdown, which we all experienced, I began to walk with others in my community and pray for our nation, our families, and our communities. Actually, we still meet once a week, and I pray sometimes and walk with them. I also go to some prayer groups and lift up the needs of others before the Lord. I think no matter what age you are, we can faithfully attend churches, women's Bible studies. Yes, I yeah. do agree. This is, again, a theme. I know this woman. I know you know her. And she is a huge prayer. Like, yes. that is what she does. So, Well, Carol shares, I praise God for the things I am able to do at my age and not focus on what I can't do. I guess that's positive thinking. It also blesses me to focus on others' needs and help and encourage them. Also, if you are in a situation where those around you that you love are dealing with memory loss, practice being patient as they may be struggling. I also try to fill my days with friends doing fun things and speaking ways to honor God. Many of my friends are believers and we speak of those changes that we are going through and sometimes I have spoken about these in Bible studies and it helps other women understand these changes. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Carol is a sweetheart. We both yes. know her and she has dealt with a loving husband who dealt with dementia. And so I, I love her words about being, you know, uh, taking time and patient. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Judy, it has been fabulous to have you on. I'm so glad you were here. Thanks so much for coming on today's episode. It was great to have you. Um, I loved all that you said. Okay, but do you have 
One more piece of advice. Do you have like one or two things that you think this is what I want to leave them with? Julie, I think I've given enough advice. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd like to share a thought that Oswald Cham Chambers uh, has in his devotional, My Utmost for mm. His Highest. It's a devotional for December 31st. Oh, isn't right that before the new yes. year. And he says, Leave the irreparable past in his hands and step out into the irresistible future with mm. him. Press forward, ladies. Mm. That's good. Thank you, Judy, so much for being on today. I so appreciate it. I think this, I thought this particular episode would be really aimed towards women who are in that stage of life. And I think we touched on a lot of it, but I actually think there's a lot of application for every single woman. And I think that is what makes it good because we need to be doing all of the things you talked about, all of our stages of life. Yes. Yeah, Judy, would you be willing to pray for us? Sure. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for life, particularly life in Christ Jesus. We, we, we thank you for, for your blessings. We thank you for your grace. We just ask, Lord, that you be, be with us as we go through the different um, times of life, that we would be focused upon you, that we would give you praise, that we would give you honor, and we would give you glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, ladies out there, Unshaken is going to take a little break for the month of December. We will return the first Thursday in January. We're going to hang out with our families over here and do things for Christmas because it's great. Um, but um, I want to remind you that we have a ton of episodes in our archives. So if you are wrapping gifts or organizing your closet or cleaning out something um, or you are getting preparing food for Christmas I just want to encourage you to listen to a couple of our past episodes in our archives there's a lot of really good ones if you have not gotten to them all and don't forget that when everything around you is shaken you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God have a great holiday and we'll see you back in January. Until next time.